Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Mom on the Verge podcast, where I aim to help you improve your sense of joy, purpose, and meaning in this life. We will talk about a lot of different ways we can do this, but ultimately, we'll be working toward finding our way back home to ourselves and remembering that even in the most challenging times, peace is only a breath away. I am your host, Katie Farinas, a mom, nurse, and yogi on a mission to improve mental health and build community in our world. Before we start the show, I would just like to ask that you please help me spread this show, spread the messages, spread the love by liking, sharing, subscribing, and downloading episodes if they if they resonate with you and only if they resonate with you. I really want to help as many women as I can feel safe and empowered to be themselves and to live their best lives and to feel as much peace and joy and freedom in their life as possible. So if you feel like listening to these episodes is helping you to do that, then please share and like and download and speak about the show. Talk to your friends about the show. Um, recommend it to people you think might be interested or might get something out of it. Um, I'm hoping in 2024, we can really expand our audience and start a revolution. All right. Thank you so much. And I hope you love the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited for you to hear today's episode with Kara Bradley. Kara and I um, share a common person, um, a fellow yoga teacher who um, introduced us, and um, that's how Kara came to be on my show. And he he thought of introducing us because of the title of my show, Mom on the Verge. Kara owned a yoga studio called On the Verge. She has a book called On the Verge, and her podcast at one point was also called On the Verge. And so we talk about that, what she means, why she named um, all of those things On the Verge, and why I named my show Mom on the Verge. And although uh, on the outside, it sounds a little different as to why we came to that name, how each of us came to that name, actually at its core, it's very similar. And I asked Kara how she came to do what she does. Um, she has been a coach and an entrepreneur for over 30 years, specializing in mindful movement, mental fitness, and the science of flow. And she said that when she was 15 years old, she was a uh, figure skater. And she had to earn money um, to continue figure skating. And so she started teaching ice skating um, to adults. And she said that she saw them transform right in front of her eyes. And at 15, she knew that's what she was supposed to do. She was supposed to help people transform their lives. And she has done that. She has worked with um, top drank sports teams. She has worked in the um, business world with CEOs of Fortune 100 companies. Um, she has... Um, been named the top 12 of uh, one of the top 12 most powerful women in the mindfulness movement. Um, Kara has collaborated with um, 
media outlets like Oprah.com, Shape, Self, Men's Fitness, Red Book, and Billboard. She's been on Talking Circuits. Uh, she has done a lot in her time, and she still has so much more to give. You should definitely check out her podcast. Um, so many interesting episodes on there. In our conversation, we talk a lot about what it means to be in the present moment and how that feels and how we can come back to it. We also talk about flow and what flow is and how we experience it probably on a daily basis without even recognizing it. We talk about intuition and how, how we can hear it and how we can learn how to calm the busyness of our minds and come into the present moment so that we can be the best versions of ourselves. We can optimize ourselves. Such a great conversation. Um, she is has transitioned to speaking a lot about um, topics related to menopause, which we didn't cover in this episode. But if you are someone in that stage of your life and looking to learn more and hear more about the, the topic of menopause, definitely check out Kara's website, which I will put in the show notes. Check out her book, which is found everywhere called On the Verge. Um, and um, yeah, just take a listen and tell me what you think. I will uh, be back at the end of the show. Have a great listen. Hi, Kara. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's so good to be here. I'm so excited for this conversation. Me too. <laughs> um, I was just, I told you right before we started recording, looking at your website and your podcast episodes. And I feel like you, it's so in alignment with what we talk about in this on this show. Um, so I really think that our guests are going to get a ton out of this conversation. Fabulous. Let's go. All right, let's go. So give us a little bit of detail about you. What do you do? And then how did you come to do what you do? Mm, that's a big question and I'll keep it as short as possible. Uh, <laughs> well, this because... is long form content. So you, you give detail. There's you know, uh, the devil's in the detail. <laughs> all right. Well, that that's great to know. Um, I would say in general, I have been really fascinated, curious, um, and have had an unquenchable thirst for human potential my whole career. And it's really led me on a very winding road of teaching physical and mental practices, uh, just because I've wanted to understand them myself. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit more. When I was uh, 15 years old, I was a figure skater, competitive figure skater in New York, grew up on Long Island, and I needed to pay for my ice time. And my, so my parents basically said, yeah, you need to pay for your ice time at this point. So right. I, very expensive I, sport. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I turned professional and at 15 and started teaching adults how to figure skate. And I fell in love with facilitating transformation. I watched adults because I was 15 step onto the ice, looking scared, looking old, to be honest with you. They had their shoulders up by their ears. Their faces were all scrunched. But by the end of the lesson, they looked younger, more alive, happier, more childlike. And so for the rest of my life, I have done this in many, many forms, including yoga and meditation, is to facilitate transformation mm -hmm. and help people uh, go from feeling busy, stressed out, frazzled, to feeling alive, childlike happy, um, and really performing at their optimal levels. So um, it has taken me down a very windy 
road of uh, wellness and performance uh, in many ways, in many different capacities. But I think at the end of the day, honestly, Katie, it's always been women and women my age, right? Like women going through what I'm going through that have been my focus. So these days I am midlife, I am 59. And I am uh, supporting women that are going through the changes in midlife, not only menopause, but changes in their family life, changes in their work life, and how to recognize that this is an opportunity to really step up and claim our power in a whole new way. And so that's where I sit currently today. Okay. I love that. I love that because I, I feel like um, I'm doing something similar, you know, I'm speaking to an audience that is similar in age to me going through similar things that I'm going through. Um, and it's, it's really powerful because it, you can really relate to people when they're in a similar phase as you, um, and you can really build community and you can build just, um, trust and, and you can learn so much from each other. So I, I think that's amazing. How did you come to yoga in particular? So you were this professional figure skater um, and you you really got into yoga. You own your own yoga studio. So how did you come into that from figure skating? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's interesting. I was a figure skater and then I ran track in college. And I remember uh, taking a yoga class, first of all, in New York City, when there were like two yoga studios, <laughs> like this is going back a long way. But I remember being in the final resting pose, Shavasana, and like the tears were coming down my eyes and like realizing, my gosh, this feels like home. It feels so similar to how I used to feel on the ice or running. So I knew that there was something to what had just happened to me. So I went to the library. I'm really yeah. dating myself. Wait, what year was this? Did you I say know. Yeah. It was like in the mid eighties, you know, okay. and I went okay. to the library. Jane Fonda like, era. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I took out books on yoga and meditation because being an athlete, you know, I like to be disciplined. I like to have a method to train with. And mm -hmm. so yoga and meditation go back thousands of years and they had methods and tried and proven methods that could help me, um, experience what I experienced as a child or on the ice or running. So uh, once I got into it, there was no stopping me. I mean, I just dove in head, head first and ended up opening a yoga studio outside of Philadelphia in 2004, uh, which I sold right before COVID. And it's still oh, okay. standing and still thriving, which makes me very, very happy. Oh, that's amazing. For, I didn't realize that it, I knew you had your own studio, but I thought it was up in Vermont. I didn't realize it was in the Philadelphia area. Oh, that's cool. Do you, are you allowed to say the name of it? Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Verge yeah. Yoga. Verge Yoga. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just take one pause for one second? Your um, headphone is rubbing against your zipper. I thought so. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. A little sound, sound in the background. Okay. All right. Um, so Verge Yoga. Okay. So we did talk a little bit about this before um, we hit record. So it's Verge Yoga. And then you have a book, which is called On the Verge, right? Correct. Okay. And then you have a podcast, which was also called On the Verge. What is it called now? It's now called Daily Whispers. Daily Whispers. Okay. And of course, my show is called Mom on the Verge. So how did you come to that name? Oh, well, the word verge is a great word, by the way. Um, and my husband had 
spent some time on the in the Amazon. He had gone down there for almost a month and spent time with uh, some indigenous communities. And when he came back, he was telling me about uh, how they would go down these tributaries and with the um, as they would approach these intersections of rivers mm-hmm. called the Verge, where they converge ecosystems converge they would stop it was uh, viewed as sacred sites and they would stop and pause there on the verge and what we found out was that these verges where ecosystems come together are where plant life and animal life are at their most diverse and where they thrive Mm. and so for me being a human potential junkie I realized oh my gosh like the verge is where we thrive. I want to live on the verge. Where is there a verge around me? And that got me into deep, deep questioning of where do we thrive? Where do humans thrive? And that's why I called my yoga studio Verge Yoga, because I wanted to create a space where people came and really stepped into their power and potential. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay. So my, my show is mom on the verge and there are some similarities, definitely not with the whole river situation, but (laughs) same kind of concept. So I, um, had been basically doing the same thing for many years. I'm a nurse, I'm a mom doing that whole thing of raising kids and working, but feeling really unfulfilled and not on on my purpose and not, you know, living my passion and that kind of thing, but really not knowing what it was. Um, and then my daughter got very sick with, um, physical problems and also very serious mental health problems. And so I spent several years just, uh, like it's pretty much all I did other than, you know, it was taking care of her and getting her to doctors and, you know, trying to figure out treatments that would work and dealing with, you know, providers and insurance companies and, um, pharmaceutical companies. And it was, it, it was a very trying time. Um, along with, I have another child that I'm trying to raise and I'm trying to work and, you know, all these things. And I remember at some point feeling like I'm on the verge of a breakdown. Like I'm going to lose it. Like I can't keep doing this. And yet I had so many beautiful practices that were supporting me along the way because I had um, been doing yoga for many years and meditation for many years and kind of even dove further into things like journaling and breath work and all that kind of stuff. And so there was this like moment where I was like, I'm going to lose it. But at the same time that I felt like I was going to lose it in a bad way, I felt like I was going to break open in a really good way to all this potential, all this potential positive change in my own life, because these things that I had experienced were kind of cracking me open. And so that's where the name came, Mom on the Verge. So it has kind of two connotations of like that, like I'm losing it on the verge of losing it, but I'm also on the verge of coming back and, and, and like coming into myself and sprouting, you know, from, from all these trials. So absolutely similarities there. Yeah. Well, no doubt about it. And thank you for sharing that story. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Um, But these edges, these boundaries, these, you know, cliffs 
when we step up against an edge or a threshold that you're talking about, we're talking about the same thing, has the capacity to break us open and expose really our extraordinary potential, our unbelievable intelligence, our ability to step up in ways we never thought possible. So I think we are talking yeah. about the same thing. <laughs> I do too. And I remember thinking like, I have a choice in this moment. You know, when you get, you have those moments that you, you feel like there's a bifurcation, right? You, like the river is bifurcating. Like I have a choice to let this pull me under and become angry and bitter and sad and depressed and all those things. Or I have a choice to use it as rocket fuel to propel me into this next, you know, part of my life that is going to be living more on purpose and in passion and serving and, and all those things. So it it's, yeah, it's a beautiful metaphor for those really difficult moments that can bring us to our knees in our lives. It's so funny, Katie, that you say that because I catch just because my book is called On the Verge as well, um, is I catch it in the news all the time. And they always use like on the verge of something negative. And I'm like, turn that around, baby. Yes. Have it on yes. the verge of glory, you yes. know? And so, you know, my kids and my husband kind of roll their eyes because every time I see it or hear it on the news, I'm always like, on the verge, on the verge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and it's so true. And like, even now in my life, like I have uh, made a lot of changes and, and been doing a lot of things moving me forward more towards passion and purpose and joy and service and all those things. But now I feel, I feel like I've hit another edge and I'm on a, a new verge. You know, you just keep hitting new verges and it's, it's cool. It's a very, if you can look at life that way, it's a, it's motivating. 100%. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So tell us about your book. Your book was written a while ago, right? When was that published? So the book was written in 2016, although okay. I feel like it is coming back to life. In some ways, I feel like I wrote it um, for now. Isn't isn't that weird? Mm. It, I just really feel like I wrote it for these times. So The Verge, you know, as we talked about, is, is this, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> sorry. No worries. Do you drink? Yeah. <laughs> So the verge is really this present moment. It's this moment and this moment and this moment. And just like you said, I feel like I'm on a new verge. Every single moment, we have an opportunity to show up and be present, to access information that's streaming through us, to connect, to perform. Every single moment is a new opportunity. So we are on the verge moment to moment in these um, states that I can only say are the most natural, but yet most optimal ways of living. And it comes down to just being present. So my book on the verge, the subtitle is wake up, show up and shine is really a very simple guide to understanding what it feels like to be in our natural state of presence. And I'll tell you what in encouraged me to write about this topic is like you, I have studied meditation and I have um, studied with the teacher and studied, uh, you know, very specific lineages. And I would ask my teacher, like, why doesn't anybody ever talk about 
what it feels like to actually be here now. You know, we're all, we hear about it all the time, be here now. Well, what does it feel like? I think most people don't realize that they're present more than they realize. So we have to actually learn and remember what it feels like to be present, to be in this optimal state, to be in this, this state that I call clear mind, bright body, and open heart. And so the practices that are in the book, the Verge Practices, and Verge strategies are really, really simple ways to understand what it feels like to be present, awake, alive, alert, engaged. Um, so yeah, so it has been um, absolutely uh, like an honor to just uh, help guide people through what is innate to every single one of us. Yeah, I I love I love that because I think present moment awareness is like everything. It truly is everything. It's, it's so simple and yet it can be so hard. And in this day and age of constant ring and dings of the phone, even when you are a mom of young children and constantly being like, I remember thinking when my kids were really young, like I can't even complete a thought. Like I can't even have a thought <laughs> without being called five times. Um, there's so much distraction in our world. And it, I think our attention is one of our most powerful resources that we have to create the life that we want, but our attention is so uh, scattered and, and it, like splintered. So what can you explain to people who are listening? Like, what does it feel like to be in the present moment? Oh, what would that. you describe it as? Well, it is, and this comes from decades of asking this question, mm -hmm. is when do you feel most alive? What place, per person, or activity makes you feel most alive? And I've, I've asked this question to five-year-olds and to 95-year-olds, and the, question, the answers are always around the same things. Being present, being awake, alert, and alive is usually happens outside in nature, on mountains, on the beach, with dogs, cats, babies, with loved ones, alone, reading, cooking, walking, drinking coffee. The simplest and the about 99% of the time, they're free. These yeah. opportunities to remember awareness, aliveness, wakefulness, um, vitality, they're at our fingertips all the time. Yeah. So what I encourage everyone to do, and I write about this in the book, is to, at the end of the day, um, as you're just going through your, your day in your mind, think about the times during the day when you felt most alive. Like start to remember, and I call these glimpses, these glimpses of aliveness are actually moments of presence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I love podcasting as well, because for this hour, it is just you and me having a beautiful conversation without distraction. And that is presence, you know, and it's, it's something that 
we're hard pressed to find a lot in our world is, is just truly being with another person without distraction. Um, so I think that is another way of experiencing it. So when you, so, and also a lot of what you talked about as you were giving these examples of different um, ways of looking back and realizing what presence feels like, it reminds me of flow. So, so talk a little bit about flow and how that relates to presence. Mm, yes. Another one of my favorite words. Um, I've, I have been fascinated with flow states ever since I was a skater and um, the book F flow, which was by a gentleman named Dr. Mikhail check sent me high. Uh, he wrote that book in the nineties and he, he actually did research on these optimal states when we are fully absorbed in what we're doing. And when that happens, time slows down or it may speed up, but time seems to warp. We also feel like we are at one with whatever we're doing, whether it be gardening or taking care of a loved one, or painting a wall. We are fully present for what we're doing. When we're in flow, we are um, really performing or doing whatever we're doing at our optimal level. Mm -hmm. And so it is really something that we, we want to understand. Now, here's the thing kids spend 80% of their time in flow until we kind of, you know, educate them out of it. Um, but kids are in flow. If they are given the opportunity, they are just fully absorbed in what they're doing. So we all have flow activities that we do. And again, it comes back to the question before is what makes you feel most alive? Those are flow activities. So if you're able to to um, recognize what your primary flow activities are, then you can start to, and I think this is really important as moms, because we are so, it's so easy for us to give up our own kind of satisfactory activities for others, mm -hmm. but yet those flow states um, neurochemically are making us happy and making us feel connected making us feel alive and purposeful and what you know what child doesn't want their mom to feel all those things yeah. so like for you Katie you said you know you have a deep yoga practice i mean yoga for me for sure is one of my flow activities mm -hmm. you know being outside every day i live up here in maine now and my husband and i walk the beach every day you know, that brings me into flow. It just makes time slow down. Yeah. Uh, so just knowing those flow activities. And for some people, it is cooking. It is mm -hmm. reading. It's like we're all different. Yeah. So whatever activity makes you feel really alive in your body and your mind and kind of warps time on you is would be considered a, <clears throat> a flow activity, an activity that could get you into a flow state. Correct. And physically in your body, how would you describe that feeling? Um, synchronized. So when I'm in flow, my body is in another word I love is coherence. Mm -hmm. Coherence is balance, harmony, synchronization. There's a rhythm to it. So being fully embodied, which is 
you know, a complicated word. A lot of people like don't really get that, but is when you feel completely stable and mobile and strong and engaged at the same time. Yeah. The one thing I love about yoga, and you're reminding me of this when you're saying this, is that it's, and I remember the day I had this realization, I was like, oh, this is before I became a yoga teacher. I didn't know any really of the philosophy. I was just going to the classes. And it's a, it's a play of opposites yoga. Like it's strength and flexibility. It's, you know, up and it's down, it's in and it's out. It's, it's, it's all these plays on, um, on opposites. And, I think what you're describing in a flow state is kind of the same, right? You're like feeling super vibrant and alive, but also super grounded at the same time. And you're feeling like time is speeding up, but it's also kind of slowing down. And (laughs) you're feeling really energetic, but also incredibly peaceful. So it's this, this beautiful play of opposites where you're experiencing, it almost seems impossible, but you're experiencing like the full bandwidth of life all in the same moment. Um, and I, I just love that. I think that is is so fantastic because so often we think we have to choose. We have to choose emotions. Either we're happy or we're sad or we're mad or we're you know peaceful or whatever. But you can actually be all of those things at the same time, but we think we can't be. Um, and so to, to have those states where we get to hold all those different feelings at the same time and realize that we can and that actually we should um, is... And I think it's fantastic for, for people. Yeah. To and, and, and what you're saying is, is perfect, you know, because flow state and mindfulness actually have a very similar definition in some context. And that is to be both calm and clear. Mm-hmm. It's to be both relaxed and alert. Mm-hmm. So it is those opposites, yeah. calm, clarity. Can I be at ease in my body and awake in my mind? That is optimal. Yeah. Most of our lives we spend not relaxed in our body. We're perched. We're we're where we have this this um, subtle sense of chronic tension, mm-hmm. and our minds are busy. So we may feel alert, but our but our bodies are wired, right? Yeah. So it's that that idea of That's being more wired like a fight and fight or flight wired. response. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And to me, I feel like just to add another body sensation, when I'm in flow, I feel very open, like physically open. Like my chest actually feels like expanded and open. I feel like my breath is flowing. There goes that word again, but coming very like smoothly in and out of my body. Like sometimes when I notice when I'm more tense, my breath actually kind of catches, like it doesn't, doesn't flow as smoothly. Um, so it's a very open sensation in your body. Your head feels very open. Um, so just to, for listeners to add like another physical sensation Mm -hmm. to a flow state. So if, you know, if someone can say like, okay, yes, I love going for a walk in nature. And I do feel like I'm in a flow state there while, while I'm cooking or whatever the case may be is, but that's just a tiny fraction of my day. How do I start experiencing that more throughout my day and coming back to it when I'm in the middle of my day and things are hectic and stressful and loud? And how do I like pull back into more of a flow state? Yes. Yeah. It's a million dollar question right there. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so, and, and, and just getting back to my book for a moment where I talk about this, which is our busy mind. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we need to be in the speedy, racy, scattered, frenzied, frazzled mental state in order to be productive. Mm-hmm. When actually, when we are in a state of calm clarity, we are 500% more productive. So when, and this is our practice, right, Katie? These are our practices. It's our meditation practice. It's our mindfulness practice, yoga practice, whatever types of breath um, and a prayer practice, you know, whatever you have that can help you strengthen your ability to come back to that sense of calm clarity or harmony or balance. And I encourage you all to find those states, even in the midst of chaos, Mm -hmm. it is possible. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about, you know, professional athletes have honed this capacity, the champions have at least, the uh, surgeons, you know, when they are in the middle of high stakes, but they're able to really work very calmly and very methodically and successfully. We can do that. I promise you, you know, I was, you know, at my busiest, I was running a very busy yoga and meditation center, had middle school kids who played travel soccer, you know, was on the speaking circuit, right? You know, like we all, like, you know, we all have it. And listen, I'm not going to say I was perfect and I never yelled because that's not, that's not the truth. But having the practices that I had enabled me to know when I was getting too far off off Mm -hmm. course, when it came to busyness, when it came to stress, like we just become aware. And when you can start to really believe and trust that a state of calm clarity of relaxed alertness is much better, better for the world Mm -hmm. and for your own health. Uh, you will start to learn how to come back. So I, so I, I, I encourage people to um, know what it feels like to be in flow or be present, learn to return to it, learn to come back, whether it be a couple of breaths, a moment in silence, uh, a glass of water, you know, taking a few minutes outside. I call these mini, mini wins and then train to sustain it. We can actually train through practice to be able to um, sustain these states more often. Yes, absolutely. That's that is really my belief from what I've seen in my own life is that it's like any other um, anything else in your life. Really, you talk about professional athletes. Like if you had a track, someone who's running track, you wouldn't just put them on the track and say, you know, go run whatever at whatever speed. They're practicing every day. Every day they're practicing. Every day they're getting a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, uh, a little bit more uh, technical. Um, and so when it comes time for the race, they have practiced, right? They have practiced. They are not expected to just show up and be like that immediately. And all of those things were practiced over a period of time in very small increments, seeing improvement in very small increments. And so I think a lot of people come to the meditation and and mindfulness and this whole world and they 
try and it's hard in the beginning and they think I can't do this and they, they move on um, instead of recognizing that it is a practice and change is slow, just like change anywhere else in your life is slow. <laughs> um, but if you keep at it, you will start seeing more and more and more benefit, um, including being, being able to return to what you're kind of describing as a state of equanimity. That's what it reminds me of. Um, yes in, in the moment of chaos. And I, so I'm a nurse also, and, um, I don't know why, but I think that, you know, you sometimes you are just born a certain way and within the nursing profession, when there is an emergency, and this was prior, even prior to all of my practices, I go into a flow state. So everything slows down for me. I have a 360 view and I'm methodical in what I'm doing. Um, and it is, it's a flow state. You know, and, and I, I didn't train for that one, but that, that helped me understand what it feels like. Cause to me, that was way less triggering than my own children <laughs> dealing with my own children was like a lot harder than doing that. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it is practice. We go, you know, over time you can learn how to do it. And yes, you make the best decisions. You do, you make the best choices when you feel calm inside, despite maybe a lot of chaos around you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that. And listen, you know, it was, it was such a great example uh, that you just gave because most of us understand this. We have things that we do in our lives that we excel at in, in that way, where we are just present, grounded, um, open, available. Uh, so the training is great because it sharpens the, you know, the saw, but, you know, I want to um, explain something to, to your listeners about meditation, because having done it and also taught it for many, many years, I know that people have a love hate relationship with meditation. I think what really changed things for me as a student was when my teacher described meditation as being a practice of just getting to know you're becoming familiar with, and it can be a number of things. It's becoming familiar with your breath, becoming familiar with your body in movement, as in yoga, becoming familiar with how you walk or how you cut the carrots for the soup. It's becoming familiar with thoughts or thought patterns. So if we can, um, let go of the idea that you are bad at anything like bad at meditation. Cause I've heard that yes. I can't do it. I've given up. I, I just suggest that people start to get to know your mind. Yeah. Get to know what your busy mind is so busy doing. It's like, yeah. Oh, there I go. Thinking about high school again. There I go. Judging myself again. There I go. And you can do that with a lightness and a cheerfulness and it will help you to really become more familiar with your mind. And that's step one. Then we can change. Right. Absolutely. I forget who, who said this, but they refer to the mind as the crazy neighbor upstairs, which I love that. I thought was so funny. And the crazy neighbor upstairs. Yes. And you're like, just getting to know the crazy neighbor upstairs, like no judgment, just curiosity. What's that crazy neighbor doing today? Or what's that crazy neighbor doing in this moment? Um, and you really, yeah. And there is no 
change without awareness. All change begins with awareness. So that first step is just becoming aware of what's happening up there. Um, it's, it's not a, you know, a silence of your, your brain, which is impossible. We'll never stop our thinking. It's just being curious about what the crazy neighbor's doing today. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So let's move on to talk about what you did in companies for performance. So how, what, what did you do in that sector? Cause I find that really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's all the same thing. It's mod- mind body training. It's understanding that our biology drives our psychology. Mm-hmm. So how our body feels, if our body is tense and stressed or busy or, tired or thirsty or hungry, it's going to change our mental state. So I like to start start with helping leaders understand how to read their bodies in any given moment. Because our bodies are always speaking to us through the language of sensation. It, our bodies are always telling us. There's this extraordinary intelligence coming through us all, all the time, if we would just pause to listen. So if we are feeling rushed physically, we're going to rush the meeting. We're going to rush the conversation. We're not going to be as effective. So it all comes back to that optimal state of clear mind, bright body, open heart, coming back to that natural state of presence. Mm -hmm. And from there, we we will do everything better. So that is honestly what I teach. I teach athletes that, I teach moms, I teach leaders and CEOs, is to trust that your body and your body mind know how to be in an optimal state. And sometimes we need little tweaks. And I call these mini wins, these mini win practices. And I call them mini wins, you know, and I have all these pithy sayings because It is so simple, but we step over what is most simple and in front of our nose, you know, because Madison Avenue, honestly, is trying to sell us the thing to buy, but Mm -hmm. most of it's free. Our breath, which can do extraordinary things for our mental state is free, right? Our um, outside nature, Mm -hmm. just being in nature and its capacity to shift our nervous system into um, autonomic coherence or or this harmonious state of flow is is so simple. It's two minutes of silence can change our state of mind. So these mini wins are at our fingertips. And what I find myself repeating over and over again, but we we don't believe it until we really experience it, is that our, you know, we have on demand so many tools. We just have to try them out, experience them, and then trust that they work, especially in those moments, like you were saying, Katie, in those moments of crisis, you go into this state of body-mind coherence, where things are just moving in rhythm. Things are, you know, there's another great word, which is entrainment, like things are synchronized or entrained. And it's where you are, you find your groove, right? You're mm-hmm. in flow. We yeah. can all do that. Yeah. 
I love that. I love breath. I want to, I want to go back to the word coherence because you've used that a couple of times. And I actually recently read a book by Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know. Are you familiar with him? Okay. So I, you know, I am a nurse, but actually I went back to school for nursing prior to that. I was a chemistry teacher. I, I got a degree in chemistry. Actually, it wasn't, I taught at a private school. I didn't have a teaching certification. So I had an undergraduate in chemistry and then I went back to nursing school. So clearly I love science, Um, but I also love mysticism as well and spirituality and all this stuff. And now there is so much research going on that is uniting the two. It's basically taking all this stuff that these ancient practices somehow knew, which I still don't understand how they knew all this stuff and using science to prove that it actually works and is true. And so he does a lot of that, that crossover of, you know, doing, using the science to show that these ancient practices are effective. Um, and he talks a lot about coherence and I think he's talking about, and it, the book was actually fairly complicated. I have to, I feel like I have to read it a second time, but <laughs> it was heart mind coherence. That's what he was talking about. Um, and how our heart and our mind are always communicating. And we think it's mostly our mind doing most of the communicating, but really it's our heart that is doing most of the communicating. But when we can get those two things synced in, in, in alignment, which he actually shows on brain scans and all kinds of crazy ways, um, is where we are in flow where we can manifest from, where we are uh, most productive, like you're saying. So is when you say coherence, is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So our heart waves and our brain waves and our nervous system, they are all, it's all one unit. You know this better than I do. And, but there's many, many times when you know, our, our heart rate is up. We're not exhaling. So we're in this chronic sympathetic state and it will cause mental busyness. It causes us to be in different brain patterns and those brain patterns then go back because our body and our mind are, are actually our body and our brain are communicating all the time. Most of the information is going upstream from Mm -hmm. body to brain. And some of it is going from brain to body. So when we can get things moving together harmoniously, right? So when our brain waves are um, in this resonant, um, very rhythmic uh, breath pattern, it will help to synchronize with our brain pattern, with our brain waves, bringing our brain down from beta busy, beta waves to a more um more optimal gamma alpha waves right so when our breath rate and our heart rate start to entrain with our brain waves that puts us into the state of calm clarity we spoke about earlier mm-hmm. relaxed alertness flow coherence resonance all of that and the amazing thing is i mean if you think about when you are holding a sleeping baby or a child falls asleep, you know, on your shoulder and you start to breathe with the baby, mm-hmm. like you're, you're, the baby is putting you into a coherent state. Mm-hmm. We can do that for each other. Our animals can do that for us, yeah. right? Nature does that for us. Or we can also do it to ourselves mm-hmm. through breath work, 
through uh, calming, you know, guided practice, through a slow moving yoga practice, through a, a beautiful walk, sunset, sunrise. There's something about the softness of light that helps to put us into a coherent state like that. So yeah, we're we're talking about the same thing and it's electrical. Yeah, it's electrical. And the idea that your, your ability to, you basically can control or have control over your brain waves, <laughs> that your body, what you do in your body can control and manipulate your brain waves. I mean, I think that that is mind blowing, right? Mind blowing. And that's your biology drives your psychology. Yeah. If your bi biology is is fast, right? We all know what that feels like when your 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 just body is speedy, tense, yeah. frazzled. That is the mind that you're going to show up with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and slowing that down. And if side bonus, I mean, yes, you'll be more productive, and you know, you'll make better decisions and all those things. But it just feels amazing. Right? I mean, you do it for no other reason. Like it just feels so good to be in that state. It, it's so peaceful and calm and it's a beautiful state to be in. Um, so if, you know, if listeners don't want to do it for any other reason other than to feel good, that is, that is good enough reason alone. A hundred percent. And, and one of the best things that you can do, and, and I've taught this, you know, to, to groups, corporate groups, is something called resonant breathing or coherent breathing. And it really is inhaling to a count of four, five, or six seconds if you can, and exhaling that same amount, four, five, or six. And so for a lot of people, you start with four. And you think about a, a vinyasa yoga class. That's what they're doing. It's mm -hmm. a coherent breath pattern. If you go on YouTube and you look up coherent breathing, you'll find some practices. Very, very simple way to start to move into a state where your heart rate and your brain waves and your nervous system are all entrained or in synchronization, synchronized. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. So that's a lot of what you did then with your performance coaching is teaching people how to do this. And and I would assume, again, come back coming back to awareness is of being aware of how you feel in your body because how you feel in your body is going to tell you whether you are in coherence or not in coherence. hundred percent. Yeah. And what I, what I say is you can make your optimal state, your default state, like that's the goal. And it's not about productivity. It's about happiness, connection, engagement, feeling alive. So we can make our optimal state, our default state by becoming aware of when we're in our busy mind, in our busy body, in our sloppy brain. You know, I have all these words that I talk about a lot in my work um, that people can relate to very easily. You yeah. know, oh, there I go, sloppy brain, dropping things, making errors in my work, not checking my emails before I send them. Uh, it's busy me. You know, we're we're in this, you know, perpetual state of busy me. So when we're aware and we catch ourselves, we can bring ourselves back with one of those mini wins, yeah. nature, breath, movement, stillness, silence, rhythm can all bring us back to a more settled, steady, clear, calm state of uh, best me. 
And what that also makes me think of, which is another topic that I'm super passionate about is intuition. Mm. So um, let's, let's talk a little bit how all of that links into intuition, because I think that's something that people, it's easy to not, you never lose your intuition, but it's easy to forget how to hear it or listen to it. Or even if you hear it, forget how to follow it. How many times in my life, how have I heard or felt my intuition and then gone and done the exact opposite thing because I didn't trust it. And it, it never works out because it never does not following your intuition. So how, how do, how do you help people to hear, listen, and follow their intuition? Mm -hmm. What a great topic. 100% when we are present in that state of calm clarity, in that state of uh, alertness, but we feel relaxed, we are able, we are available for the intelligence that is streaming through every single one of us. Extraordinary messages, wisdom, guidance, subtle, though so subtle so often because we're busy thinking, getting distracted, judging, preparing, planning, remembering, you know, our minds are crowded. So again, it's going back to remembering those states, those places, people or activities when you feel most alive. And it's in those flow activities that you can start to trust the messages coming through. So, you know, it's hard to hear them in the busy state. It's hard to hear them in the traffic jam. So we, we want to, it's in our best interest to become aware and to start to play with these subtle uh, sensations coming through in those peaceful moments, early morning, late evening, you know, moments of aloneness, time during your practices, or just, you know, moments when you're just going about life, but you're in that kind of liminal space. That's when we can start to hear, act, and start to trust those messages because they're coming through during the busy times as well. Mm-hmm. We yeah. just may not hear them until we've we've exercised that muscle a little bit. Exactly. And do you get a lot of resistance from people saying that they don't have time? They don't have time <laughs> to do this, right? Because I I totally get that. I'm super busy. I am a mom. I am a nurse. I am a podcaster. I write a you know a newsletter that's more like a blog. Um, I you know I do all these things, so I get it. People, you know, it, it feels like you don't have enough time, and I I am actually guilty myself of frequently repeating that mantra that is absolutely not helpful is I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time or I need more time. I need more time. I don't think I'm alone in feeling like there is not enough time to get everything done. So someone's out there and they're like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't have time for all this. What, what is your recommendation for them? What would you say to that? And have you come up against that a lot in the work that you've done? Definitely. You know, we, we put ourselves last when actually, when we are in a state of presence, we are more beneficial to the world than you know being hyperproductive. And not only are we more beneficial from a, a creativity standpoint, but we connect better with people. Our kids feel it on us. They just want us to be present. 
mm-hmm. you know, our coworkers, everybody. Like, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Who we show yeah. up as, right? Yeah. Who we show up as in every single moment is impacting the world in a way that we can't comprehend. So we don't have time not to hone our capacity to trust and remember who we are beneath busy. And you don't have to do it in any way that anyone else tells you to do. Like I'm misindependent, let me tell you. (laughs) And I don't want anybody telling me what to do. So I'm not here to tell you I'm here to make some suggestions and to encourage you to remember who you are in those quiet moments. And you already have them. Like you're already having these moments of flow. You're already having these moments of presence. Just start paying attention to them because you. what will happen is you're going to want more. And when you start to want more, that's when you start to carve out the time in your life, you start to say no to the things that don't make you feel alive. Mm -hmm. And you start to say yes to the things that do. Yeah, that's so true. And you're right that people do already have them in their lives, but they may not recognize them. I am a huge podcast listener. Obviously I started my own podcast. I love them. And I remember at one point realizing that listening to a really good podcast was a state of flow for me. Mm -hmm. I was completely absorbed in what was being said. There was really nothing else going around, like on around me or inside of me. I was just fully present with this fascinating conversation. Um, So there you go. There's a moment of flow and presence, right? Mm -hmm. And it could be while you're driving to work or uh, folding your laundry or you know, cleaning your bathroom, quite honestly. Um, yes. it's, it can be any time. Um, and music, I think is another big, um, avenue or, or way of getting at flow. Um, and people listen to music all the time. So, you know, just to recognize you're right, recognize where these things are already showing up in your life and how good you feel when you're experiencing them at, at them. And that feeling so good drives you to, like you said, to want to experience it more and go deeper. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's great. Fantastic. Um, let me check on our time here. Oh, we are, we are on time. Um, (laughs) great. (laughs) We're just about out of time. Um, but is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience? Um, as always, uh, I will, you know, with all my guests, I put all your contact information in the show notes in case anyone wants to be in contact with you. Um, your yoga studios in Philadelphia did not realize this. I feel like I have to go check it out now. I'm so it's excited. it's on the main line. So uh, okay. do you know where the main line is? I do. I do. Yeah. I'm in Jersey, but right. I yeah. work in Philadelphia. My friend lives on the main line. So maybe I'll oh, like get yeah. a date with her going. We, we can go to go to yoga. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. Any final things that you wanted to put out there before, before we end? I think um, it is just to remind everyone, including myself, because I have to remind myself of this constantly that we have extraordinary potential, limitless potential, and we have access to it. We just get in our own way so often. We get really busy and we forget who we are. 
And I've heard this over and over again throughout my careers. If I could just have the time or if I could just be consistent, um, our, our, our being, our soul wants to manifest that greatness more than anything. So to put yourself at the top, to prioritize your states of being, to become aware and to really get to know yourself is, is really how we fulfill our destiny here. And everyone benefits when that happens. I love that. That is a beautiful, beautiful and a beautiful way to end in this show. Thank you so much, Kara. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. I'm going to yes. check out your studio. I'm going to get your book. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> and I'm going to start listening to your podcast. I wish we had more time. I wanted to go over um, some of the episodes, like really great stuff. You're doing great oh, stuff. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. <laughs> they're all short form. And I'll tell you, I started my podcast um, when I wrote my book. But I started it because as a yoga teacher, you don't have the opportunity to say that much. You don't want to say that much. You actually want to give the students the space, the time, the quiet to hear themselves speak. Um, So I had just so much built up in me. So these podcasts are just short. They're six minutes, eight minutes, little riffs on things coming through that I'm working on myself. Oh, I love it. I love it. So great. The the 20 minutes is enough. I that's one I remember. Is that talk is that in regards to exercise? Oh, 20, 20 is plenty. Yeah. 20 is plenty. I was like, whoo, why not listen to that one? <laughs> I hope that this light, I was I didn't want to change it, but it's like, wow. No, it's actually very cool. I was gonna mention it, but I'm like, you know what? She looks like you're enveloped in sunbeams. So it's beautiful. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, listen, well thank if you. You see Scott, please uh oh, give him a big I'll, hug for me. I will. I'll see him tomorrow. I'm going to his class tomorrow. So I will give him a big hug. Oh, yeah. so lovely. All right. right. So good to meet you. And let me know. I'll share, share when it's out. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Karen. Okay. All All right. right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed uh, recording it. I think that this week's mindfulness exercise is going to be to invite you to do something every day that puts you in flow. Kara and I talked about that a lot. And maybe listening to this podcast episode had you in flow like it does for me when I listen to a really good episode. I sure hope so. But whatever it is for you that makes you feel like you are in flow, whether that be taking some time outside, gardening, cooking, listening to really good music, uh, taking a yoga class, whatever it is. Um, For my husband, actually building Legos really puts him in flow. That's something I can't even imagine. That is just a a state of frustration for me. (laughs) But whatever works for you, whatever puts you in that state of flow, I invite you to try to do it every single day, even if it's for 10, 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be something that you do for a whole hour. Obviously, the more time you can spend in that state, the more beneficial it is to you. But it's still beneficial, even if you do it for 10 to 15 minutes. So please give it a shot. Go do something that makes you feel like you're in flow. And while you're doing it, be really present to how you feel in your body, in your heart, and your mind, your soul and spirit. Memorize that feeling. Do it for the simple reason that it feels good to do it in that moment. 
And yes, it will influence moments outside of that. You will take that energetic with you into your life and you will be more present and joyful and grounded and patient and uh, be able to make better decisions and so many other outflows from prioritizing states of flow. But if you do it for no other reason than for that amount of time out of your day, you feel really good, it's so worth it. So that is my um, invitation for this week. And of course, the newsletter will be coming out and I'll probably throw a few extra um, options in there for you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Please reach out to me. Let me know what you think. And um, I'm always looking to supply you with information that you find really useful and helpful and interesting. So I'm always looking for feedback. Um, and you know, if there's something you're just really curious, curious about, you want to know about it. You want to, you want to hear an expert speak on it, please let me know and I will make it happen as best I can. All right, guys, have a great week and I will see you next week. Bye. Hi, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, I ask that you please like the show, follow, subscribe, or share. The way that podcasts work is the more people that do one of those things, the more likely it is that when someone's looking for a podcast to listen to, our show will pop up for them. I started this podcast because I really see there's a great need in our world for people to feel more peace, joy, love, and acceptance in their lives. And I think we can do that when we have a greater sense of self-awareness. We could become conscious creators of our own lives. And I'm seeking to do that for as many people as possible. So if you could help me by liking, sharing, or subscribing to the show, I'd really appreciate it. And hopefully someone hears a conversation that changes their life. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time. Much love.